Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you and also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White. Or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Haleli Azulai. Haleli is an author, speaker, facilitator, and leadership development strategist, and an expert in communication skills and emotional intelligence. She's also the CEO and founder of Talent Grow, and I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Welcome to the podcast, Haleli. Thank you, Jano. I'm also looking forward to it. Thanks for the invitation. 
Yeah, it's so good to chat with you. First of all, I, I gave everyone a little bit of an overview there, but tell us more about what you do, uh, you know, what, what you do day to day and also what you do at your company, Talent Grow. All right, sounds good. Well, I've run my company since 2006 and I develop leaders that people actually want to follow. So I think that we have very similar missions in our work and uh, good because the world needs more uh, good managers and less bad managers because good people leave bad managers. So I work with organizations of all sizes, but mostly medium and large size organizations uh, around the US mostly, but also in other places around the world. And I help them first by consulting to them to help organizations that don't yet have a solid leadership development strategy in place that they just sort of do it either, either they don't do anything or they do uh -huh. it in a very haphazard kind of way right and nothing yeah. very organized and you know haphazard uh, creates haphazard uh, results. So I help them with that. And then I do a lot of speaking and uh, facilitation of retreats and workshops that are often uh, geared towards building skills around leadership, around workplace communication, and always involving emotional intelligence to some degree, because often that's, that's what makes a really big difference in who is successful and who isn't. Well said. I, I love what you do and the vision of your organization and very aligned with, with what I do. And I really like that line that you mentioned, good people leave bad managers. Mm. That's so true. And, and I can imagine every listener nodding along going, hmm, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, it, it's that, uh, that saying that uh, people don't leave companies um, or people don't leave jobs, they leave people. Yeah. And yeah, good people leave bad managers. That's, that's yeah. gold. And, uh, and unfortunately, uh, very common. Yes. And, and not only that, but I find I, you know, I have a kind of a benevolent bias towards people. I think most people are good and well-intentioned. I don't, I mean, there are people out there that are bad on purpose or that enjoy that in some way, but they're the minority. So what's really sad is that the majority of the bad managers that good people leave, um, either they don't know that they're a bad manager, um, but they almost always don't mean to be a bad manager. They just sort of fall mm. into you know, they fall into habits either because they're just picking up from bad role models that they've had yep. along the way, or they're overwhelmed and, you know, they, they didn't know better. They don't know what they're doing wrong. No one gives them feedback. And it's those organizations that don't have a strategic approach to developing leaders because leadership, uh, I know you've grappled with this and leadership is not mm. born, it's taught. Mm -hmm. So if no one is teaching people, you know, they just get promoted, but then they're, you know, toss off the cliff to see if they can fly. That's just no, I mean, that's your odds are not so good. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and I think what a lot of leaders and uh, managers and, and working with a lot of heads of schools and CEOs, I think what they don't realize and their executive teams don't realize is that, uh, you know, one of the responsibilities of being a leader, particularly in that sort of role is that you are the ceiling and you're not the ceiling in terms of potential like you can really see people fulfill potential but if you struggle in as an example vulnerability or like you said emotional intelligence mm -hmm. then if you want to have a culture of high emotional intelligence then as a leader and, and you know see it all the time leaders you go why is now why don't we have more emotional intelligence and and i think the starting point for any leader is to look in the mirror and say how can i like i have to get better if i can improve um, you know, and be more vulnerable. And it's all things that you can improve. It's hard work, but you can improve it. Yes. You increase the ceiling. And that's the saddest thing is when you have amazing people in an organization, you have a very low ceiling because you have a leader who understandably is very scared or afraid or ignorant of mm. needing and, and wanting to do that work. And, and if they only could see that increasing that ceiling would actually increase potential and capability across their whole organization, they would do it in in a moment. Yeah, it's true. You can expand the pie. It's, it's not a zero sum game at all. Mm. Well, great to already have fun chatting about leadership, but mm -hmm. I want to um, hear about you. So tell us about your story, even as far back as when you were little, what are some of those moments as you look back that really shaped you becoming the leader, the person, the consultant uh, you are today? Mm. Well, I am sure everything that I've ever done or been exposed to has shaped me in some way or form, but I, I think that uh, you know, one of the things about me is that I, um, 
I am very motivated by integrity and independence. And I think that that's something that my clients value, you know, that I, that I bring uh, um, my own point of view that I speak, I try to speak the truth and I, and I try to help them, you know, in a way that has integrity and that isn't, you know, sort of a masking things or just sort of kissing up or making it seem like everything is perfect or nothing is right. It's, it's, it's about the truth. And I've, um, you know, I grew up with a, a very independent uh, father. Well, both my parents are very independent, but my father was always very entrepreneurial and also very high achieving and um, non-compromising, uncompromising, that's the word. So I, I, I saw that from, from my childhood and just watching him uh, go after things that most people said he couldn't do, uh, that were beyond his reach or that were un, you know not prudent. Why don't you take the safe job or why don't you take the safe route? And, and he never did. He always um, took risks, not dumb risks, but took risks boldly to go after his values, to, to do what he believed was right. And, um, and I believe that I was very much influenced by that all of, all of my life. And I, I was grateful to have him also, you know, as one of my biggest mentors and advisors, even once I started my business and into my adult life, unfortunately, um, I lost him nine, almost 10 years ago. But uh, now I just think about, thank you. Now I think about what he would have said, you know, just even he still advises me. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And when you think about what he said, are there any, uh, are there any go-to lines when Haleli is having a bad day or facing a big decision that you can, uh, you know, sort of hear your dad giving you mm. that, that advice, any, any particular advice that really stands out? Oh gosh. Well, I think not doing things cause, cause it's uh, what everybody expects you to do. If you know that they're not the right thing to do, you know, and if mm-hmm. it means, and if it means um, doing something that's unpopular or, uh, doing something that might end, you know, might end the opportunity or end the relationship or end the job. You know, if it's, if, if it, if it's a choice between doing that and doing something that you know is wrong, um, you always choose to, to do what's right. I, I, I watched him do this time and again. Um, mm. he, 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 dem- he modeled it. He didn't, it's not so much that he said this, but he modeled it. So this is one of the ones I can tell you things he said too, but um, like he was in, um, he was in the air force. He was a very high ranking officer in the Israeli air force. And um, uh, he wanted to do something and the opportunity was uh, not given to him. There was uh, something else they wanted him to do kind of like an office job. And he, and he didn't want to do that. That was not where he added the most value. Um, he was pretty close to becoming a general, which meant he would have like a very nice retirement. You know, it was like a, a couple of years away. And his dad could not believe he was doing this. Like, just sit tight, you know, just kind of put your head down and just do what they're telling you to do. And don't risk this because then you'll leave. We'll have nothing. And my dad didn't, he didn't care. He said, I'm, <laughs> this is not right. It doesn't allow me to flourish. It doesn't allow me to uh, to bring my full value. Value. It's it's uh, wrong for me, and I'm not going to do it. And he he left. He left, even though he was that close to you know retirement and all that. Um, he left, and he and he just started a, a brand new career at that stage, and he succeeded very much as an entrepreneur. And then he did the same thing again when you know 25 years into his business, he. You know, he left to go pursue a new passion. Um, he he wow. left Israel and moved to the United States when he had an opportunity. And people said, oh, this is so risky and you shouldn't do it. He left that company when he was supposed to be returned to Israel. After five years, we were supposed to go back to Israel, all, you know, just covered all expenses. And at four and a half years, um, the leadership changed and they wanted to make changes that he didn't, that didn't align with him. And it was a matter of just, you know, just sit tight, put your head down. It's almost... And he was like, no, this is not right. I don't do that. And he left and started something different. So I admire that. <laughs> I admire that too. That's incredible. I, I love the pattern. It's not like, and, and I, I also think what you said is very profound for leaders who are listening. Mm. And um, because you said, he, it's not that he said that. It wasn't so much what he, that he said about this thing, but 
he modeled it. Let me give yes. you multiple examples. And that's what I love about the story. You know, it was just story after story after story of how he yeah. lived that out and said, you know what, there's the path that's the easier path and maybe even the, uh, you know, the one that makes more sense to onlookers. But for me, I know that this is what I need to do. This is yeah. the right thing. And so I'm going to uh, choose the more difficult path, even uh, because I know it's the right thing. And because I know that that's what I'm passionate about doing. Yeah. What a wonderful legacy. Thank you. Yes, I'm very proud of him. And he, he was um, remarkable. One thing he did tell me that I do remember very clearly, and I, tr I try to embody it, but it doesn't come easily to me. Um, he would say that worrying is complete, it's completely useless, you know, that there's no point, you know, if, if there's something you can do about the situation, you should take action, right, you should assess it, and do what you can do. But if there's something that you're worried about that you can do nothing about, worrying does not help in any way, it only makes it worse. That's so good. I too, uh, wish I could just live that out more because it's a, it's a great truth. And I always really uh, find it really inspiring, you know, inspirational when people are really able to do that. I'm like, how do you mm. do that? Like it's, I find it really hard if there's, even if it's completely out of my control, not to just be thinking about it. Um, if, if it's something that's significant or is going to impact me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so following on from there, as you got a bit older in, in your journey, what are the moments that like, I always love asking, was there a moment for you where you went, Oh, okay. I can do this. I can, I can be a leader. I can be a thought leader. I can, I can help others. Was there an aha moment for you to do what you're doing now that you remember? Well, I, I mean, there, there's so many, it's hard to, to think of just one and all of them. It's just, it's usually a combination of, of multiple moments that yes. just sort of let it sink. I, I will tell you one. Um, I realized that I wanted to start, potentially start my own business, or that I was interested in pursuing my own business, um, I would say maybe five years before I did. And I, I was, uh, so about, I was about um, 30 at the time. And just things weren't right for that at the moment. Uh, just my, my kids were very young and my husband was starting his, uh, working on his business and it just it didn't make sense. But I also wasn't ready personally. So it was really just a sort of an incubation period, you know, just sort of marinating, letting the idea marinate. And, and when, I, when I, got, uh, I got closer and closer to the decision, when I started to see another pattern, patterns are often very telling, where um, I was in one job and I felt like um, I had to choose between my integrity and my job. Um, and it was a leader that was above me who was making bad mm. decisions, was not being truthful. And uh, she was my boss and I was a manager myself um in my organization managed the training department and i i didn't i it, it felt terrible right like I, I i don't want to choose this way you know i so i had to kind of put my head down and just do what she had, at, had created and go against my integrity and for me um it it didn't feel right so i looked for a new job and I found a new job, but I went to the new job and I really enjoyed it. It was a great challenge, really good. And then there was a leadership change at the top and a new leader came in. And once again, I found myself in a very similar spot. And it was interesting at that time, we had a vendor that came in to try to sell us on a program that was a values uh, prioritization kind of pr program. And I had went through the exercise, which I don't know if you've ever done this. It's very difficult to choose your top values. Have you ever tried it? <laughs> Do you mean uh, personally or for the organization? Well, organizations as well, but personally, you know, like oh, you have this yeah. list it's, of things. <laughs> yeah. They all sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, love. Yes. Yes. Love. Safety, <laughs> um, beauty. Excellent. You know, like, yes, I want all of these. No, you're supposed to choose your top one, your top five. <laughs> <laughs> very, very hard exercise. I did that. And integrity became clear to me as my number one value. And so this shed some light into the struggles that I was having. And yes. um, yeah, so once again, I was like, okay, I this is not the right place. And I went to another place. Um, and this was uh, to be my bridge. And I, I thought, well, I don't know how to start my business because I don't know how to sell myself, my services. This is very hard. I've always been on the inside. 
And so I, I joined a consulting company that would sell me as the consultant, but I would be employed, you know, so it was sort of, sort of like the best of both worlds, you know, I'd have a job, but I'd be consulting externally and I'd build some practice and so on. Well, when they, they put these press, when they hired me, they put press releases to brag, to brag about the fact that they got me. And I, I don't mean this in a, in a, to, to be a braggart myself, yeah, but it was, yeah. you know, I, I just, I mean, I do a good job and I sold myself to them through the interview process and so on. But to see that, it was just sort of like, oh, wait, I do have something that is marketable, you know, obviously wow. <laughs> they're putting a press release to, to, to say that they now have my services uh, um, on their roster. And of course, guess, guess what happened to that company? <laughs> change of leadership. <laughs> yep. Well, yes, the, the leadership, it wasn't so much a change. The leadership was the same. It was very, uh... um, it was within the first three months that I started learning about how they ran things. And it was, um, very dubious how they did things. And so once again, I, I faced that same kind of question and I said, well, okay, I guess this is a sign Halali, that maybe you shouldn't work for anybody else. And you should just work for yourself where you can always choose to be in integrity. And so that, that, um, that was an aha moment. Like I have what I need. Yeah. And and this is something that I'm unwilling to compromise about. And so it was the birth of Talent Grow. Wonderful. Such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. What, what I really love about uh, your value of integrity is, uh, and this is why, why values are so important. I love what Patrick Lencioni says about values, which is that a true value is something you're willing to be punished for. Mm. And uh, if we think back to the story of your dad, you know, y- your dad lived that out. Yeah. And then uh, that's what I love about your story is you've multiple times chosen to essentially take a hit, you know, and, and choose a more difficult path. And that's so when people are wondering about values, because I that's why I was laughing when you said, have ever tried it, because, yeah, it's um it's something I do with a lot of companies and any of entrepreneurs. And it's very challenging and and the hardest thing for me working with leaders is often um we very quickly go like you said oh that sounds good and it's actually articulating what which is why i love what you've done it's articulating the true dna that is you know that for us is more than 99 percent of others and that's what i love about your story because you can hear that integrity truly is uh, your value. And the beautiful thing about that is, is a couple of things. I bet once you articulated that and were able to start your own business that you have really felt, I guess, um, no matter how hard it's been running your own business, probably been a real ease in terms of really going in the lane of, of your value of integrity. Plus once you can articulate that and then come on a podcast and talk about it, which is mm-hmm. also fantastic the people listening for whom integrity is important and where maybe for them it's a value are going to be like a magnet or like a moth to a flame. They seek you out and they find you. And what what ends up happening? You end up working with people with the same value, which is is amazing. And so that's why this process, I I just love your story because it articulates that so well. Yes, thank you. Well, actually, you know how I said it was very, very hard for me to choose. How do you how do you choose the number one based on what? And the one way that I enabled me to do it is to, and I, I don't remember if the trainer told me to do this or not, but I remember it very clearly being the only way I could bring anything to the top was which one could you not live without? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Which one could you not live without? That's yeah. such a that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> I love uh, I love chatting about values because, yeah, probably my favorite work on values is Patrick Lanchoni's work. And anyone who listens to the podcast knows I'm a big fan. Um, Pat, if you're listening, still uh, excited to to book you on here at some point. So <laughs> I just he was a, just a keynote. Futuristic. He was a keynote oh, at a conference that I was just speak, I spoke at um, in August. Oh, he's so good. I, I, um, anyone who is listening, who knows Pat, you can just drop him a line. We are connected on LinkedIn, but, um, he's, he's probably one of my, uh, one of my people that you're always sort of hoping like, oh, I would love to have a conversation with him. Although anyone, when that happens, I believe it will, anyone listening will have to, I have to work very hard not to sound 
like a, a silly sort of fan, like, tell me about how you wrote that book. Um, anyway, back to what I was saying. I love his work on values because as for organizations, it's so good what he talks about. I found it really enlightening because some of this stuff really frustrates me when it's like, this is, this is the sort of thing more than anything else that when it's used properly, it changes everything. And yet what do we do? We use it terribly because, because it's, it's easy to fall into the trap of, I like the word teamwork. That's definitely one of our values. And then my mind just goes, um, and so he talks about doing this process where you actually say, okay, so this is for a larger organization, right? Like who is there that just is the walking embodiment of everything we stand for. And there's always that really funny look around the room. And then someone's like, Sandra. Oh yeah. And everyone's like, yes, she is like, she's amazing. And, um, and then the other thing, which you obviously stays in the room when you do it, but you actually say, and who is the, who, who uh, hopefully isn't here anymore on the wider team was the walking embodiment of everything we, you guys don't stand for. It's like mm. someone who just came in and for some reason was really unpalatable in terms of the values. It just completely didn't work. What was it about that? And the thing I love about that process is uh, when you think about a person like you did for yourself, integrity, but organizations often as leaders, there'll be the people that really just embody everything good about the organization. And if you can start breaking down what it is about them that makes them such a perfect fit, and then think about the person who stuck around for a couple of years, but was just particularly um, painful as an organization, there was something that was a complete misfit. What was it about them that didn't fit? Not to have a go at them, but to actually articulate. And, and often you find a correlation. There'll be something um, and, and that's the process that I've found probably most helpful for values. Is there anything since you've done that exercise yourself that you would add in terms of for individuals, entrepreneurs, but also for medium and, and larger organizations, how to do values well? Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. And values are, values are subjective, right? Like, just like I said, when you look at the list, you know, when yeah. I looked at that list of however many, many values were listed, I, there was maybe, maybe there were two words on there that I was like, no, but in general, all values seem good, but they can't all be top values. And that means that different people and different organizations will, will have different top values. And, and so just because somebody is not the embodiment of the values for your organization, this, it's not the, that they're a bad person at all. Yeah. They're probably a really perfect fit somewhere else. And they would exactly. be miserable. They would be miserable and out of alignment in your organization, but <laughs> extremely engaged and happy somewhere else. And so sometimes when you can think about that, it's not like you're doing them a disservice if you help them move on or, or if they choose to move on. And so one of the things that I've heard from, from many leaders and I advise is that you should hire for a fit with values. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I've seen it work. I actually had recently an experience where, you know how sometimes you think something's important, but then you have, so I was working with a client and they were really struggling to find great people and they told me, as I've, as I've heard before, and, and, and as many of us have probably said about our own industries, oh, you just can't get good people right now. Like here, it's mm. they're just, there's such demand. And so because of how hard it was, I think that gave us the bandwidth for me to say, let's try something. And thankfully, they'd done a lot of work about values. And there were great values there about sustainability, not, not for the sake of it, but actually truly it's one of the core things for this organization, sustainability and, uh, and also around community, which those words can get thrown around in the wrong way, but they were actually true. So we recrafted everything for the HR process. And, and once again, I'm like, yeah, I, I believe this will help, but you're always still wondering because you're not hundred percent sure how it's going to go. And out of the woodwork, it was like, I could not believe the people that we started attracting going from not being able to because it was really skills and experience based um everything in terms of what they were putting out to the market and we mm. changed it and went values based and there was still skills and experience in there but yeah it was really like focused on values first and also on vision people who were this is the sort of mission that they would want to join this organization and yeah i was shocked at the level of uh, that the different type of people that came out who've now started working there and, and they're now just 
already top performers because they're just like a, you know, like a hand to glove. They're just such a perfect fit for the values and they're a joy. And, you know, Sleet is just looking at me going, I can't believe that actually works. It's like, yeah, I actually have been a bit surprised because I knew mm. it did, but, but in this industry where it's very hard to, to find people as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to agree. I think that, and isn't it amazing because people are scared, you know, if, if I double down on this or, you know, if I, if I lead with this value, what if it limits me, you know, it's that whole uh, being afraid to, to, to say no to something because what if the right thing doesn't come? But, to, you know, I, I think that in general, when you say no to something that's wrong, it makes space and uh, it makes space for the right thing to come and it will. Yeah. In general and in business and, and in personal um, situations as well. It's like, um, it's like the Marie Kondo cleaning up your wardrobe. Mm -hmm. Like uh, even in that, even like that's that vacuum sort of principle that where there's space, it will end up being filled. It mm -hmm. is so true. Even in your wardrobe, you empty out the things that you're like, yeah, I, I do wear that, but I don't really love it. And you wait a couple of months and somehow you've managed to, um, even if you're not super into retail and shopping, it still, it fills up again with things that you really love. And, um, and it's so funny how it can happen in your wardrobe, but I agree. It's so true. If you can articulate the things that, uh, that we've been hanging on to. And, and I'll often do this with a team with a literal stop doing list. It's one of my favorite things. We love to do lists, but I love stop do or stop mm -hmm. doing lists because as a team or as an organization, it's, it's just a lot of fun to actually ask the question, what are we doing that we could stop? There's no wrong answers. And people say ridiculous things like let's stop the main product line. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, anything's on the table as part of just a really fun brainstorm. And the number of times there's a sacred cow that comes up and, uh, and everyone sort of laughs, but then you 20 minutes later, you start unpacking it and people start going, well, yeah, I guess what if we, what if we didn't do that? Or what if we let that thing go? Um, and of course, then everyone gets a bit scared because some of these things are, have this sort of really real importance but when you start drilling down you realize this we've been hanging on to this for the wrong reasons yeah well, it's interesting yeah i i i think that it's worth it i agree so for you in your organization haleli i'm interested to know are there any favorite stories um that you have in terms of what you've been able to do uh you know what you've been able to do with talent grow are there any stories that really stand out that have been very meaningful? All, all, of, all of my work is, is very meaningful because I tend to take on work that is meaningful and not take on work that isn't, but not, not always, yeah. not every 100% <laughs> of it is, is very, very filling, fulfilling. Um, I one time had um, an organization contact me because two of their leaders on a team um, that needed to interact with each other had completely stopped talking to each other. <laughs> oh, was, wow. Yeah, um, which sounds like high school, right? A little bit not professional also, but it happened. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because it was, um, it gave me a really good story as an example for how important um, and certain aspects of communication are. It all started from an email, believe it or not, um, that one sent to the other. And in fact, the fact that it, that communication was an email was probably the biggest problem with it because it just started a cascade of ridiculous assumptions um, and uh, you know, wrong assumptions and uh, sort of prejudices. And yeah, and it led to, to this situation where they wouldn't talk to each other. So unraveling that took a few, several sessions, but I'm really happy to say that at the end, um, those two were going out to have frozen yogurt together um, <laughs> on a weekly basis. That was what they chose that they would do to uh, to stay in touch and connect. Of course, they were talking. Of course, they were working well together. So um, it wasn't fun during, but it's a very good feeling after to be able to be part of something like that. That's a small example, you know, but um, I love that. That's that's so good. I think sometimes, and you know what, for some of the teams like that, sometimes the best work is on the other side of working through 
Yes. Um, I remember hearing a great leader that I really admire talk about how he almost threw in the towel because he had a big run-in with other members of the executive team or the board on some key things. And, and he was like, that's it. I'm out. I've been, you know, that whole, I've been working so hard and they just can't see eye to eye. And he just had some great mentors say to him, you know, as, as he sort of unpacked the situation, they were like, just, just like, see what you can work through. And I remember him saying that everything in him was ready to leave, but he really felt like he could stay and, and, and try to work it through. And he did. And their biggest breakthroughs came after that because for them, it was like, they, it was almost like they really needed to have that wrestle and get through that and be able to be a healthy team and, and, and healthy governance that, and they were able to then sort of skyrocket and, and, and achieve amazing things. Um, so sometimes when you've got those situations going on, that's amazing that you were able to step in there and really facilitate that to come to a, a much better ending than, than you might expect when you hear about two people on a team, not talking to each other. Yeah. You know, and, um, I, I teach a lot about trust and people think that, um, you know, well, trust is very hard to, to build and very easy to break and much harder to rebuild once you have broken trust. But, um, you know, a lot of times people don't don't engage in difficult conversations or in conflict or in giving constructive feedback or in setting boundaries, you know, doing things that they're worried that they will upset the other people, you know, that they'll, that they'll hurt feelings or that they'll damage the relationship. And that that's why they don't say something. They don't, um, they don't do what they need, or they don't take care of their own needs, or they don't have a truthful relationship. But in the end, you know, the, you can only hide so long and you can only brush something under the carpet so long. And when it comes out that you've been sitting on it, you know, that you've not been saying that you've, or that you've avoided, or that you didn't give them a chance to find out that there was something they were doing that was a mistake or that was wrong, or that wasn't working for you. And you did, why did you allow me, right? The other party will say something or will think, well, you allowed me to keep making that mistake because you were afraid to tell me, or you allowed me to continue doing something that was disturbing you and didn't give me a chance to you know to change so it actually damages the, the their very concern of damaging the relationship is their motivation to avoid the conversation but their avoidance damages the relationship and the trust more than yes. had they actually confronted the person of course there's ways to confront that are more and less uh, helpful but that is something that's very learnable that's so good. And I love that you unpack that because I find I've always found that quite hard to explain, but you've really explained it so well that the very thing say with accountability as well, it's the very reason we don't hold people accountable is because it's uncomfortable. And yet it's the process of not holding people accountable that leads to the most uncomfortable, like not just a moment, but often, um, you know, where, where if a leader really drops the ball, like I've done before, where you don't hold people accountable. And then you, then you come sort of swinging in, trying to all of a sudden bring accountability and you were avoiding it because it was uncomfortable. Now you've mm -hmm. created a nightmare and not only is it uncomfortable, it's painful. Yeah. And there's, then you truly have like, and it's crazy to think maybe I would have had a few days where it was uncomfortable or maybe a week where it was a bit awkward even, but instead, if you, if you're not willing to go there, you end up with situations where it can be uncomfortable, awkward, or painful for years in relationships with people. Yeah. Um, so I love what you said. That's so true. Well, and, and, in your story, you, you talked about how the, or I think you you commented that a lot of times people come through whatever turmoil that is, whatever difficult conversation or challenge or conflict, you know, it'll be uncomfortable during, and it might be uncomfortable for a, bit, a little bit after, as you mentioned, but often it is, it strengthens the relationship. So it has the exact opposite effect. Now, of course, again, it's the how <laughs> that you do it, of course, you know, cause you can destroy a relationship if you don't go about this conversation in, in a, in a good and productive way, but it's, when you do and if or at least that your intention you attempt to make it um an emotionally intelligent conversation then um usually other well-intentioned people will give you some credit for that you know they will see that you meant well and they will appreciate that and in fact 
that's trust building that's enhancing um, in many, many situations. And, and you were talking about accountability. I'll, I'll build on that mm. to say, if they, if the problem is accountability that you're not addressing, um, dear leader, there are bystanders that are being affected. Again, one is role modeling. You are telling them through your act, your inaction, they see it. They see that that person is slacking or that they're not delivering and they see that you don't do anything. And by that, you are modeling that either your requests and deadlines are not real. They're not meant to be taken seriously because why would I hear you just modeled that they don't matter. And you or you are demonstrating to them a, a lack of appreciation for their effort. If they're the ones that are doing the work and they're the ones that are delivering what you asked and they're the ones that are respecting um, your deadlines and so forth, and you allow, you're enabling this person to be an underperformer or, or to not deliver, that person's in, um, lack of accountability is not just affecting their own work, usually it's affecting other people. And by not addressing it, you're enabling harm onto these dear people who are doing a great job. Um, that's no good. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Uh, once again, a Patrick Lencioni thing, because I, I love how he talks about this sort of area as well, but he, he mentions that, you know, that peer to peer accountability. So for a leader who's listening, who's going, Oh, wow, I really wish I was better at accountability. Well, here's the Here's the sort of catch 22 that, that Lencioni identifies that, um, which Haleli just really mentioned is that if you will hold the poor performers or um, even at, you know, poor behavior, if you'll hold them to account, what happens is your best performers in your team actually look at you. They watch you do it. You step up, you step up, you step up. And then they go, Oh, okay. If, if you're going to do that and you've got the courage to do that, then I'll jump in too. And all of a sudden you actually have a culture of peer to peer accountability where your best performers, because they see you doing it, they'll actually step in and hold each other. They'll hold others accountable. And the reverse, unfortunately is true. So if you're not holding people accountable, the, the other way that that actually creates harm is your best performers. Like what you just said, they watch you. And one of the things they'll do apart from sit, you know, thinking, well, you obviously don't really mean what you say, but they'll actually watch and they'll go, you know what, if you're not going to hold them accountable, then I'm certainly not going to. Mm -hmm. And so when you start doing accountability and it is uncomfortable and it is challenging and, and it is like, it requires a lot of emotional intelligence in those conversations. But when you do that, you actually start creating a culture of peer to peer accountability. And long story short, the more you hold people accountable, arguably the less you need to, because there's more peer to peer accountability and the less you hold people accountable, often because we're afraid of doing it, the more you'll actually need to, because others aren't going to step in and help. Yeah. So good. I love that we've been chatting about this topic because I'm so passionate about it. Uh, let's, let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you. You ready, Halali? Yeah, ready as I'll ever be. Okay. What is a book that you've gifted to others? My one of my most, one of my, my favorite books that I think is very meaningful to me, and I don't gift it just randomly to people though, um, is Atlas Shrugged by Ayn, Ayn Rand. I think it is an amazing novel that teaches a lot about life and what's possible. Wonderful. That's a great recommendation. Thank you. Uh, any great podcasts you're listening to right now or books that you're reading right now or uh, websites, blogs, journals that you're enjoying? Mm. So I really recently, I read a book that's not that recent, but it's 10% Happier. Um, have you ever read that? No, it's, I haven't. Um, by the anchor, I want to say his, I'm blanking on his name. I think it's Dan Harris. Um, and he, he's a new, it's a very, very odd book that I, I didn't expect, very odd for me to read and like, but it was recommended highly by someone. And I'm so glad I read it. I uh, wanted to uh, incorporate mindfulness and everything that I've tried and read. It just didn't sit right with me. It would yeah. just didn't resonate. And I have been unsuccessful with it. But I, I am generally intellectually convinced that it's a useful thing, but it just could, like, I didn't know how to make it work. This book yeah. is written, it's kind of, it's an autobiographical book. 
and he has very interesting stories. I mean, he was in Afghanistan and he uh, interviewed like some top religious leaders like the Dalai Lama and, uh, you know, some some leaders of some churches and so on. And he went sort of on a journey um, where he became addicted to drugs and, you know, was wow. a basket case and and then started seeking um, solutions. And so he mm. used his place as a journalist to be able to meet with some very interesting people and ask some very interesting questions. And he sort of tells the story through that. So the book is about how, why and how to meditate, but it is not written as a how-to book. And it is, it is um, you know, an autobiographical, very uh, fascinating and uh, compelling read. 10% happier, is that what it's yeah. called? Yes. Wow, that's a wonderful recommendation. Thank you. That's that's exciting. I'm, I'm really uh, that'll that'll go on my list. That okay, sounds fantastic. Because I, I I too am really interested in uh, in meditation and mindfulness. And um, uh, one thing I've talked about this before, but I, I I feel like I quote him a lot. But Andrew Huberman from Stanford has yes. a podcast called Huberman Lab. Huberman Lab. Yep. Yeah, and that's also great. Him. Yeah, that isn't that good. I feel like that must be one of the most popular podcasts in the world. I feel like everyone I chat to, I mentioned it and they're like, yep, 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 yep. It's so yeah. good, isn't it? It is <laughs> really I, good. Another yeah, podcast so I really like is Tim mm. Ferriss, but I yes. haven't been listening to him lately, but he was one of my first podcasts because he's actually one of the oldest you know, podcasters yeah. out there. Like uh, his forum is amazing that he, he talks to just such interesting people. And he, he does. And he goes on and on like you, I think, have kind of a, a one hour format for my podcast. I chose a 30 minute format, but he just goes as long as he wants. And yeah. you have to listen to it almost like in chapters, because like who has three hours to listen to a podcast? But I would listen to it, you know, just in snippets, bits and pieces there and here. And wow, I learned so many interesting things about so many people. And Andrew Huberman was one of the people I was introduced to yes. through his interview on Tim Ferriss. I'm almost Me too. certain. That's funny. <laughs> That's what I found as well. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I, and then when you start doing your own podcast, I think it gives you a lot of respect for how on earth he does three hour podcasts. Yes. Like we probably could talk that long, but he makes it sound so effortless Yeah. and it's so engaging. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. He does uh, a good job. And let me tell you, I have been a guest on podcasts and I've tried podcasts and not everybody does a lot of work preparing. Like you, I can tell you prepare and you prepare your guests, which is smart. Uh, I, I have a, you know, this, I have a bias that favors that. And, and so I, obviously I do this too, but he, my gosh, I mean, mm -hmm. he, he leaves no stone unturned. It seems like <laughs> he reads every word the person ever wrote, every interview they ever gave, like all kinds of just uh, obscure things about their past he uncovers and asks them about. It's amazing. It is. Yeah. He's, it's, it's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, some of my favorite episodes, Hugh Jackman, an Australian, mm. everyone knows who Hugh Jackman is, Australian actor. Yes. That's a great episode because he just it. seems like one of the best people uh, alive. Um, I also love Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld oh, fan, but yes. that episode, Jerry Seinfeld's dry humor with Tim Ferriss feeling, you can tell yes. he was a little nervous in that one as well, <laughs> but I just found that so funny. Um, and then James Dyson, I really enjoyed that one for anyone who like, I love Dyson products. I think they're, uh -huh. they're incredible. And his story of, for entrepreneurs out there, you know, how his, he talked about how he and his wife were in this together. They had $30,000 of debt. They were making their own clothes, you know, for their mm. family. Wow. <laughs> and, and Tim Ferriss is like, what, wait, like you were, you were literally. And he's like, yeah, but it, we just knew there was no sort of plan B. We just knew it was just, a, 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 you know, it was eventually going to happen. And I was just listening to that. Like when I was out cycling going, wow, that is crazy so yeah no great recommendation um i don't think i've had that as a recommendation before which has always surprised me because it's one of my favorites so thank you that's there's going to be a bunch of people that jump over there and get immersed in amazing wow. content tim ferris wonderful yeah, yeah here's a <laughs> here's a question that i've added recently so this wouldn't have been in in any of the prep that i sent through but um do you have any favorite superpower questions that you ask like haleli finds herself you know, one-on-one -on -one, finds yourself in a, in a meeting is, is with, you know, sitting with someone in a, with a client and they're your sort of go-to questions to ask. Good 
to, to and the question would be to learn about the person or what what type of a question do you mean just to clarify yeah, just me. well it's i'm really interested to tell you the truth in any questions because i love all questions but uh, mm. let me give you an example a couple of things so uh one which comes up a lot when i've asked people this so far and, and this is this is my way of saying it tell me more so that's not mm. so much a question that's a statement but i i say um i use can you unpack that for me and I don't know why I love that. It's, I don't know why I love that so much, but I do, I use that a lot. And the mm. other one that I've mentioned before that uh, I talked with Matt Abrahams when he was on the podcast um, and he's from Stanford. He has an amazing podcast. It's all about communication. And I was saying to him how I have some social anxiety, uh, which people wouldn't know, but I, I overthink, you know, I'm one of those people who overthinks what, what I said to someone or I really want to make an effort not to make it awkward when I meet someone new. And I, mm -hmm. I learned this question. I can't remember where from, but it was the question, how do you spend most of your time? And they were saying, when you ask someone that it gives them the freedom to then tell you about their work, about their family, about their mm -hmm. hobby. Like they can really, yeah. rather than what do you do, which I've just a few times said that and someone's going through a tough time or they've just been unemployed and you just feel terrible. And so that's, mm -hmm. so yeah, it could be work, could be life anything any uh any questions come to mind yeah yeah too so um one is i guess it's kind of like a superpower question i guess but as a consultant i call it the consultant's question and it's just so useful i think in every meeting where at the end after you know you prepare a lot of questions and you ask and you listen and take notes and so on but at the end when you think you're done um you say what else should I have asked? Ooh, and that's good. It's a catch all, right? I mean, yeah, they might say nothing. You, you know, you, you, you ask really good questions. I think we covered everything, which is a nice way for them to articulate uh, that at the end of a meeting. But okay, good. Or something could come out that you would have missed otherwise <laughs> that might be irrelevant. So it's a very, very useful and it's useful for you know when you talk to clients when you talk to an employee one-on-one -on -one, in almost any kind of a work situation at the end of a meeting to just throw in one of these uh open-ended kitchen sink mm, kind of question that's a great question i'm definitely going to hire that question from halili and put that. <laughs> okay so anyone anyone i meet with when jono asks uh what else what else uh should i have asked you can know that it came from halili that's okay. fantastic thank you you're welcome. Love it. I learned it. Brilliant. I learned was, it from was a that, mentor. Was there another one? Did, yeah, the other one was more like what you gave as an example, which is at the beginning of conversations um, with yes. people when I just meet people. I also, you know, I'm thoughtful about how, how do you ask something, first of all, that doesn't sound like, oh, God, I'm just going to talk about you know exactly <laughs> the same thing. Plus, also, selfishly, I would like to have a nice conversation with them. Mm. I want them to be interesting to me and for me to because it makes it easier to listen and to continue the conversation. So I just try to think like what would entice them to tell me something that they would like to talk about, right? And that you know, because when people talk about something they like, they are they tend to be a lot more interesting. They they tend to be a lot more energetic. They tend to be a lot more engaging. So it works, you know, it works for the conversation. So I say something like, what's what's got your attention these days or what's got you excited these days or energized? Mm. You know, it depends on the day, I guess, which word I, I throw in there, but a purposefully positive word. Yes. Uh, and I don't want them to tell me what's, you know, what's on your mind or what keeps you up. And I don't want to hear about their problems really necessarily. Mm. <laughs> uh, if I'm just meeting them, you know, and getting to know them, I, I want to know what makes them tick, you know? And yeah. so this, you're right. Like, like you said, it gives them the opportunity to talk about work or extracurricular or their, you know, their passion or their children or whatever they want. Yeah, that's great. What's got your attention at the moment? What are you excited about? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, now, oh, and one of the, one of the thought I had, I'm just going to throw this out there because it came to mind. Um, I loved, uh, the Jim Collins, there's two part one and part two with Tim Ferriss, back to Tim Ferriss. Uh, mm -hmm. so any Jim Collins fans, he very rarely gives interviews. And so it's great mm -hmm. to hear him with Tim Ferriss. And one of the things he said that he does when he goes and works with a team is he asks them to, as a, like to kick off, uh, when they're going to spend a few hours or a day together, he says, what are five I, I think this is what he says. I'll try to remember it. But what are five brutal facts in your world right now? Like what are five brutal 
facts in the organization or what are, what are five brutal facts in your mm. team? Um, and the reason he does that is it's to really get the whole group to straight away bring out the sort of any, any elephants in the room or any things that, and then to start there. And I just thought that's such an interesting question. Like what are the, it, it's not what are, it's not even problems you have. It's what are those five brutal facts that are, that, that are, you know, in this, for this company right now, and everyone sort of writes it down and the, then they go around and share and it gives you an insight of what might be most helpful to spend his time on. And I just thought that's, uh, that's another interesting way once again, for consultants to just straight away, very in a very fast way to bring out some interesting yeah. facts. You might have everyone, there might be, you know, 90% of people bring out the, the one competitor who's just had a record quarter and, um, and that part of our business has is, is actually had the worst quarter ever. And so all of a sudden, you know, that could be a starting point to actually talk about why that's happening and that might lead to something yeah. deeper so yeah i just that's really stuck with me that he mentioned and especially because yeah. it's jim collins and he said whenever i'm consulting to a team this is what i do right, and i went notes. wow okay I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take notes uh so good oh that is yeah it's interesting it's a it's a very curious phrasing i, I don't think i've ever even heard of i uh, have heard that sentence i, I know like no that. yeah neither have i um uh, it's it's an interesting question what is a commonly held belief uh, you know, in across industries about leadership, let's say about leadership that you passionately disagree with, Haleli? Oh, um, <laughs> I am, tend to be a passionate person and I tend to be uh, a little bit of a, a nonconformist. So actually, this one, not too, not few yeah. uh, things. <laughs> there are, yeah, there. There are quite a few that come um, yeah. to mind, hey? <laughs> well, I definitely disagree that leaders are born. So people think that if you're either you are yes. born or not, I, I disagree with that. I mean, I, I think that, yeah. you know, some people have it easier in some ways because of certain personality traits, but everyone can be a leader regardless of their personality. And everyone, even the ones that have it easier, could use to refine their skills and learn and develop. There's lots that all of us could learn to become better leaders. So it is learned, learned, mm -hmm. learned. And the other one, and I don't know how you'll react to it given your background, but for me- <laughs> That's right. Um, so I'll tell you anyway. Um, I get really, I, I find the term servant leadership triggering. And mm. a lot of people like to say that. Yeah, but I yeah. think that when we get down to the bottom of what they mean by it, we agree on leadership, but that term yes. just really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> and that's because yes. I believe that in the world, almost all, I mean, well, I think I believe in the traitor principle. And what that is, is that in every relationship, there are uh, two people trading value for value in a free exchange of choice. So a value is different for each person. You know, we just talked about that, right? Values are in the eyes of yeah. the beholder. Mm. But in relationships, and the trader principle says that for us to have a successful relationship, a successful trade, I need to figure out what value do I have to offer to you that's a value you was, you're seeking. And yeah. how can we, and the other person should be thinking the same thing, but I should not be negating my values to serve you because mm. ultimately I will be miserable down the road. I, I will be resentful. I will, I will leave empty. I will, I will be um, depleted. This is not a good thing for the relationship. The other person shouldn't want that for me and I shouldn't want that for them. So I think that um, in leadership, Serving is a very important thing, but mm. being a servant is a payless job, <laughs> right? I love it. I love it. It's yeah. compelling someone to do something against their free will. That's what a servant, you know, a slave is. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that leaders should act that way because leaders have a lot to gain from being good leaders that people want to follow. Yeah, that's good. That's controversial. And yes. I love it because I think, <laughs> no, I think we should be challenging uh, those, those sort of phrases and the phrases I, I am intentionally 
looking for opportunities to hear opinions that are different to me. And mm-hmm. I've talked a lot about servant leadership on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I also, and I've had people come on and, and really that's been one of their big uh, things they focus on. And so I love that you're challenging that phrase. And I think there's a, I think it's valid. I think what you're saying is, yeah, I agree with serving. I think, uh, you know, in service, you're serving, but being a servant, no, something about that sits wrong with me. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> okay, last question. <laughs> Oh no! I'll ask. One, I'll ask two more because ask me I, something easy if you don't want me to ruffle feather. You know to uh, ruffle up feathers. No, anymore. ruffle feathers, Haleli. <laughs> that's that's what a great that's what a great consultant does as well. There'll be well, people listening who go, maybe I need Haleli we'll, to come in and ruffle yeah. some feathers here for my organization. <laughs> I, I did say that at the beginning, right? That I that I t- I'll tell the truth. All right, go ahead. I appreciate it. It's good. Okay, a movie or TV show that really impacted you? Oh, the uh, Shawshank Redemption. Ah, yes. One of the best movies of all time. Hey, if anyone hasn't seen that, put it straight to the top of your list. Wonderful movie, isn't it? So I can watch it again and again, and always I get something from it, but get busy, get busy living or get busy dying is like a memorable phrase that I think is a good lesson from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, And last question, if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? focus on focus on getting commitment not compliance mm. oh i love that that's good get people to buy in don't just get yeah. people to tick a box get them to really authentically commit and yeah. buy in yeah a position of authority mm. gives you the power to mm. force people into things yeah. but when you if you want people to really perform their best that's not how you do it. No one does their best when they're doing something by being compelled to do it. They do the minimum to get you off their back and that's it. But if, you know, if you think about yeah. something, when you believe in something, when you think it's the best thing, when you believe you're doing something that's good and you're doing it of your own choice, you do it a hundred percent, 110%. And those are the, you can get people to work that way for you and the organization. <laughs> yeah, you should do that. That's great advice and a really good challenge for young leaders and for very experienced leaders alike. Yes. Um, well, for people who do want some feathers ruffled in their organization, <laughs> I love that you said that, but no, I think um, I, I really do love the way you think and, and I can see why uh, what you do is so helpful for the, for the leaders and the teams you work with. Um, where can people find you online and, and your podcast and, and connect with you on LinkedIn, et cetera? Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for asking curious questions and allowing this conversation to take place. <laughs> I've enjoyed it, uh, Jono. And uh, m- most of everything that I do can be found on my website, talentgrow.com, T-A-L-E-N-T-G-R-O-W, talentgrow.com, including my blog, my podcast, uh, how to stay in touch with me. I'm also on LinkedIn and um, and, and you can connect with me there. Let me know that you listen to, uh, Jono's podcast and that's how you found me. Uh, and, um, yeah, if I can help or, you know, if, if there's a question you have for me, I, I would love to engage with you. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. This was really fun. Uh, I know so such a great, um, conversation about values and I think that's going to challenge a lot of people in the best way. Um, don't forget for our listeners, I also have the Jono White Leadership Podcast where I give you tips on how to build a high-performance team or you know how to, how to build a, a healthy workplace culture and things like that. And the Leadership Question of the Day podcast where I ask you a different question every day to put a stone in your shoe and make you uncomfortable as a leader. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you uh, to Haleli for being so generous with your time for just being so inspirational and you know one thing that's really stuck with me from our conversation is hearing the stories uh you know hearing you just tell the stories about your dad and i think that's really stuck with me and will really make a difference to a lot of listeners and a reminder of how powerful legacy is and yeah it's just been a wonderful joy to have you on so thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you it's been my pleasure 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.